0: remember one particular concert there was a girl who actually was feeling ill in the middle of the performance and rather than say she was sick she just kept standing next of all she just vomited all over the two girls in front of her and nobody moved the two girls who had the sick dripping down their hair didn't move didn't complain kept on smiling and singing as if nothing had happened and when I think of that I say to myself wow we were scared <laughs> we were
1: a funeral that had happened and the young Dublin singers were singing at it and my sister Mary was behind the hearse (laughs) Irish dancing (laughs) anyway Herman found her and the following day of course in front of the entire school she was brought on stage and said you can just show me show these lassies here now what you were doing behind that hearse Miss McCarthy
2: (laughs) so she did
3: she'd put the finger into the middle distance and she'd say to me Miss King and you're thinking oh shit i got to cut and you'd stand up and she'd say Miss King you are a most indifferent child <laughs> see how well she remembers it oh my god I said I think I'll put that on my grave here lies the body of Miss King a most indifferent, indifferent child,
2: child.
4: At the back of the Albert Hall in London, about to go into the College of Music, I want to tell you some stories from a choir called the Young Dublin Singers. They're based at the St. Louis Schools in Ratmines, Dublin. I say some stories because hundreds of people, mostly girls, have gone through the Young Dublin Singers over the past few decades and this programme only features six women who were in the choir in the 60s and 70s and who went on to make their careers in music and show business. I'll shut up and let them talk in a minute, but first let me introduce them. Singer, Mary Black. Come
2: running home again, Come running
5: home again. It's 25 minutes away from six o'clock.
4: Broadcaster, Maxie.
5: And I do hope all is well wherever you are. Do get in touch. with yeah,
4: Blues singer, Mary Stokes. Who supposed to
3: be. And she walked up to me and she tapped me on the shoulder.
4: Performer and teacher, Twink.
3: Do you know what I'm going to tell you? And I said... What, Bianca? said, you have a beautiful voice.
4: Actress on TV and stage and star of musicals like Mamma Mia, Siobhan McCarthy. One of us is crying, one
2: of us is lying in a lonely
6: bed. My sister got married a couple of years ago and we did a little rendition of the Trup Trup couple. And
4: Siobhan's friend Mary Purcell another veteran of the Young Dublin Singers who works here at the College of Music in London. I've come to the college to meet them this morning and I've brought some LPs the choir made in the late 60s for Siobhan and Mary to listen to. I'm like a bag lady with my bags.
1: This is the first time listening to this since we've done it. I can't believe it. Which one is this now? take
4: again.
2: shitter sure. and so no. <laughs> <laughs>
7: In St. Louis, where the choir was based, singing was a feature of all classes, but the choir was a relatively select organisation. Being picked for the choir
0: in school was a big deal, you know. But Miss Shaw was the teacher at the time, and she heard me singing by the piano around with a group of children, and she she picked me out as being a strong voice or whatever. So I joined the, the choir in third class, and my mother was thrilled, thought it was great, because it did have a great reputation.
7: My earliest memory was kind of one of these really uh, terrifying events where anyone who uh, wanted to be part of the choir, you were brought into the hall and the choir was standing there. And I had my two sisters, of course, looking down at me in trepidation as to what would happen. I would have been quite young. I don't know what age I was, but I would have been, I don't know, eight or nine or something like that. I mean, I was was in primary school and uh, you had to sing your little piece, whatever you were going to sing. That was fine, except that I pitched myself about an octave too high So I (laughs) maintained myself, my control and managed to keep going (laughs) as the song kept going higher and higher. And I was thinking, oh, God. So Sister Herman, who I'm sure you'll hear many stories about, but Sister Herman said quickly first, which meant I was in the soprano part. So I went straight in.
3: I used to go to a rather posh school, actually, and my father decided one day I was learning absolutely nothing except the correct angle to wear my summer uniform and my bowler hat at. So my father grabbed me out of the school. I will never forget it. A memorable day. And he told the... Headmistress mistress in question that he was taking his daughter out to a place where she'd learned something other than what angle to wear her bowler hat at I was marched promptly out of the school there was a major brouhaha in our house and I was promptly marched about two days later down to the National School in Ratmines and we went in to Sister Lord of Mercy no, Sister Madeline's office and kind of a mini assessment thing, I was a bit of a blow in at that stage then the subject of was she musical at all any kind of a lean in towards me. Oh, my father said she plays the piano and she plays the guitar and she sings. Does she? She's in. <laughs> that was the only prerequisite needed.
2: Ding, dong, day
1: shift from one foot to the other
0: we had to sort of look a certain way we had to smile a certain way
6: there was a particular girl i hope she doesn't mind me mentioning her carol nolan who was good with facial expression and she was taken out quite regularly poor thing as an example to the rest of us of how one should sing a song in other words eating the words and generally looking like you're engaged in what you're actually doing not standing po-faced Hermo
3: did most of the groundwork mm. with her harmonium, bless her. Mm. And we had a little room Buffen in St. Louis and she'd be, yeah. she'd be pressing like the clappers on this old mm. Pedal mm. to get the air up into the... Rah, rah, be like the, the in, in back. Oh, she used to say... Oh, she she had these... <laughs> she go,
5: arthritis, God bless
3: her. And she had an arthritic <laughs> hand. And she had this really these really bony, spindly hands and she'd poke the knuckle into my back. Miss King, I can't hear you singing. And if I can
1: hear you, it's not very impressive. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> we were frightened of her. Man. Yeah. We would not like to cross her. Yeah. <laughs> Thoris Chaka, <Jack and> Colleen. <laughs> they <do a> voice.
0: <laughs> she had a way of controlling us, and she wasn't physical. I mean, you might get the knuckle in your shoulder, like, for getting something wrong, but it, it, there was just that discipline there that you knew she was, you know, if she was annoyed, you knew all about it, and you were afraid, you know, to, you wouldn't like to upset her.
4: If you were bold. Oh, guess. Out, out of the, the
3: car. Out of the was yeah. the big threat, yeah. Was it? Or suspended. If it was bad enough, suspended from a big concert, which was a fate oh, next to
5: death.
4: Yeah. But did they slap you on no, no, no,
5: heavens no. above, no. No, no. no. they, knew what, no, no, they no. knew what would have an effect, and that was to say that you're mm. not to, to sing You will not well. be in. It would be some big concert, you
3: know, yeah. an enormous big concert, and very prestigious mm. people like Sir John Barbarali coming with the orchestra and doing a big concert in the gaiety with them, and you're out of it. You're not on that concert, and she'd mean it. Mm. I mean, you'd be practically begging you know, people to get back in, the no.
5: And there'd be yeah. a photograph taken of you not there Not in it, oh, yes. And it would be up on the notice board, without you and There you
1: are, not <laughs> not,
5: There you are, not, featuring in the big concert <laughs>
3: It's a marvellous psychology Not a hand raised No, 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 it was a mind game It was excellent mind games <laughs> <laughs> Now you see why we're like we are right? yeah.
1: The Vermeo was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah
6: Mm-hmm. So you but... Well, yes! I just I didn't realise that until now, actually.
2: Mm-hmm. es. Algum
1: <speaking in foreign language>
4: Get sad, to it. Eh, sad, nostalgic, nostalgic I suppose. Yes.
2: Yeah, not
1: sad.
4: Why didn't it take the fun out of it? All this discipline and the, the knuckle in the back.
2: Because I
1: suppose it wasn't all this discipline all the time. We were able to balance it up, otherwise we wouldn't have stayed in the choir. It was a different era. It was a different time. But it wasn't joyless.
3: I mean we had fun within ourselves. And
5: friendships, Adele, Absolutely. that never, you know, never ended, failed or never yeah. ended all through the yeah. year. So we were the best of pals. We'd head off the pictures after a yes. or something like that, or yeah. a game down in Harold's Cross, you know. I think maybe yeah. we, we learned that the
3: work was work. And the, and the fun time was time fun, time. and the recreation was recreation, but yeah. the work element was you were there to do something, to learn, to sing. It, it, a lot
0: of it was based on fear. There's no doubt about it. You know, That's
4: you, not good for your confidence, is it? How, how, did, how did you have the confidence then to stand up and...?
0: I don't know. If, I mean, it didn't affect the performance, put it that way. In fact, I'd say it enhanced it because everyone really wanted to get it right. We were scared, but we're scared to get it wrong. And I don't know if that's a bad thing. I mean... I don't feel I was damaged by it, put it that way. Maybe some people were. Maybe I was just a particular type of child that that wasn't. But, um, you know, I just think it was the way things were. I mean, that's the way school was then, too.
1: There's nothing more exciting than singing harmonies, and our choir did that, that supplied that for us. And it was a real buzz yeah. when you'd have a group it's in a way for me it was rather like the, um, the the river dance the irish dancing that real excitement of when you get the sort of yeah. hornpipe going together yeah. Yeah. when we sang some fairly amazing numbers there was yeah. a real buzz it was a ring and i felt very proud of that yeah i liked, i liked being part of it mm.
5: wore the school uniform but it would would be pristine conditioned school uniform it wouldn't be your everyday school uniform but it was the same it was a a navy blue uh, gym slip white shirt and blue tie and sometimes you'd have a blue or white bow in the hair Del, wouldn't you yeah royal blue and the 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 cummerbund and little bobby socks the white socks and the black shoes we sang beautiful things the Barcarol to this oh, day is one of my uh, favorite pieces oh, of oh, music I
3: hear the, the,
5: the emperor waltz oh, that we
3: gorgeous. sang as carnival yeah, nights yeah. and I mean to hear the young dublin singers sing carnival gorgeous. nights was yeah. uh, just oh,
2: music graceful
3: and sweet
2: oh, beauty
3: a sta and fleet gorgeous. and it would take off up into volumes of sopranos yes. doing glorious descant lines yes. and and the altos and, and basses singing it was and I mean the the harmony the the amount of time that was spent in glorious three part harmony.
7: Off the top of my head, I would think that one of the things that I really enjoyed was Laudate Dominum, <laughs> and again, that was one of the pieces that we would sing at weddings. And of course, for a bunch of girls, I suppose, in fairness, a wedding was always like a, quite an event anyway.
0: Nina Zest, Dominum. Yeah, it's, it's still all in there. It's funny how the how. A lot of the stuff I learned then is still really locked inside my head. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I remember words of songs, Irish songs, that I still don't know what they're about, but I know every word of songs that I learned when I was in the car. the amount of hours we put in, we would be there a couple of late evenings and then there would be Saturday morning. You, you lost your your lying on a Saturday morning. Christmas Day, for example, we had um, to sing at three, three masses Christmas morning. And that was my Christmas morning for as long as I can remember as a child. I mean, into my teens, it probably began to stop. But then, you know, it was a lot to give up. You know, Santa Claus had come and you couldn't play with your toys and you had to get into your glad rags and go up. And for like... You're talking about masses that lasted on a Christmas morning for an hour and a half each one and then a half an hour in between. We were up there for nearly four or five hours.
7: You know, you got awful bored. <laughs> you went over and over and over and over things and you had to be there for X amount of hours and you were kept after school and you had to come in, especially in the morning and on over the weekend and this kind of thing. Colleagues I work with have all come up through the conservat- very strict conservatoire
6: training, and uh, I suppose what I have to offer is just getting out there and performing on a regular basis, and all the things that go with that, learning to be professional.
5: They actually explained why you had to behave this way. We were down in Henry Street. We were down when an RTE before it came out to Montrose. And they sat us down and explained that we were professionals at this point and you had to behave in that way. You had to get to know who you were working for. You had to turn up on time, look well, deliver the goods and leave when you were finished with your work. And what I loved about them was that they explained that to us. They didn't just say it's because I said so. It was never a big, it was because I said so. So you began to realise that you were considered a professional and you worked in that way. You got to know your work. You never forgot your lines, all that, to be treated in a respectful way. Because we were working with Patrick O'Hagan and and, uh, Michael O'Duffy and all these very, very successful singers. So you didn't walk in and you didn't speak when they were on and you rehearsed and you did a take and you waited around until the tape was cleared Mm. and all that. So that was just the experience that was taught you. And to this day, we still use it, to this day. (laughs)
8: Foer is a cherub and a rabosa, haxi ha. dosa, Do was is na vroga, Is hit mawan in na fiola,
2: haxi ha.
8: What
0: I feel I got most out of it was a great understanding of harmony. The discipline did really teach me not to sing flat. Not to sing from here, but to sing from down here.
4: From your throat, rather. Not to you.
0: sing from my throat, but to sing from deeper. You know, they t- they talked all about that. They would go into quite an amount of detail about how you project your voice, things that I never would have learnt if I hadn't. I mean, I always had a good voice, but there was a lot I learned, and it was great, great grounding for the life
7: I was to lead because it does require a lot of discipline. Hickety-haw-dee. Hickety-haw-dee. There was a few people who were fainters. That was always a bit of excitement. A fainter was the person who, you know, if things were going on too long or a concert was going on or it was too hot or whatever, one fainted. And there was a lot of... I mean, I tried for quite a considerable amount of time to succeed in fainting. Uh, I think I only came close once and I was told... to leave the stage uh, and kind of, in, in my disappointment, I hadn't lost consciousness. But, <laughs> so you know, silly things like that. There was all the blotting paper in the shoes. Siobhan used to faint. She
6: went through a little phase of when she was about 14 or 15 of just literally blacking and fainting. And um, Sister Herman decided it was attention-seeking. LAUGHTER so- <laughs> Literally we would be all lined up, either going on or going off, or having stood for whatever, and Siobhan would flop on the floor. And um, oh,
4: were like, you really fainting?
6: Absolutely, yeah, yeah.
4: Just the endurance of having to stand there for so long. And- I
6: was a little
1: weakling there, <laughs> Neil. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, it was just, it got too much for me at times. <laughs>
7: Things that I've felt very strongly is that the idea of getting up in front of people to perform music, having, if you like, the presence or the confidence to do that, is something that was fostered by the choir. You know, as compared to someone who, you know, is singing and playing guitar on their own in their bedroom, and perhaps coming up with different things. But I imagine that the transition for that person to getting onto a stage would be more difficult than it was for me. i was so used to stages. I was used to, like I say, the routine of things as well. Things like understanding that as a performer that you have a responsibility to an audience, that they have chosen to take their time to come see you do something and as such, that places a level of responsibility on the performer to come up with the goods for them.
6: What we did learn, as I say, was the bread and butter, getting up there, performing, being on time, being organised... Um, it was an endurance test. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was fantastic training. I, I came to London and did a few
1: musicals over here. Tell and me You uh, did you Evita. Evita, yes, yeah, in 1978. And, uh, in fact, I just had one number to sing in the show. And I had so much energy and was ready. I wanted to be part of all of the choral work as well mm. because there was a lot of that. And so asked the director, could I be involved in the rest of the show and with the chorus, which they were delighted... <laughs> And it's certainly stood to me doing eight shows a week.
8: This cart has no signature, only a lingo I cannot make out. <laughs>
0: was One or two things that bothered me then and still bothers me now, and it was a a social thing, a class distinction kind of thing. We came from Charlemont Street, which was a rough enough street at the time and you know it, you know there was we were very fairly working class family and I always felt that the the girls who who had more money and the parents who were more involved with the nuns and maybe contributed more financially and every other way, to, to the school, were favoured more. And, um, and, and I have a few instances within my head that I knew um, was unfair, people being picked for things because they were from the nicer side of town. You know, there was one particular trip that, that there was a group uh, that going to be singing with Bing Crosby or something, and I wasn't picked, and I was very upset about that, because I think she thought I, my accent was a bit too strong, my Dublin accent wasn't really all the poshies were picked for that and that was that's one thing that i do f- uh, feel that i was i was unfairly treated but because i was good they had to pick me a lot of the time
2: he's off
8: to cross the shannon to destroy the enemy cannon. And so galloping, 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 galloping,
1: galloping on. You went into the Jury's Irish Cabaret the year before me, and then with the, with the, the Irish Cabaret with the Young Dublin Singers, and um, was, which was fantastic fun. It was all of well, our that summer, in fact. was
6: professional work. £12 a week. Six nights a week. It
1: was, was a £12, £14 with at the taxi home.
6: And Mary, of course, Mary mm. Black.
1: Well, I
0: was 13 when I started in Jury's Irish Cabaret, and we would work seven nights a week. And I remember me now playing on the road. I was 13, out playing with my pals, football or whatever, games, skipping. And And my mother calling me in at 7 o'clock to come in, have a shower and head on down to be down in juries for whatever time, half eight. And um, it was funny because, you know, I'd be out playing with my pals and then when I'd come in, I'd have to put the bra on. I hated the bra, but I had to have a bra for the show. <laughs> and I probably needed a bra, but, you know, I hated it, you know. So um, I became... I went in like within an hour. I went from being a, a little kid playing on the road to kind of almost a woman. Jury's hotel was in just opposite Trinity College there, Dame Street. Dame Street, mm-hmm.
5: and, um, Amy and Andrew Studios was whom we worked for at the time, yeah. and they realised that Jury's Hotel in Dame Street was very near to the Gaiety Theatre. So if you worked the opening of the cabaret in Juries, you could leg it up Grafton I Street swear. in she your goona. I'm not kidding. kidding and do maybe the fourth item on the gaiety, mm-hmm. and then you would leg it back down in your to goona, hair or snow, and do the
2: finale of <laughs> <Juries> Hotel. <laughs> oh, and
8: yeah. with it. That was great fun. Oh, yeah, this will show, oh, show how funny. silly and
6: innocent we were. Um, the line when translated, what is it a, a puck and a bum or something and we just thought this was so rude and so funny to have this line in
2: it or, <laughs> <laughs> allelu, willilu, allelu,
7: So, of course, had our, our great event where we went over to the US. Well, it was hugely, hugely exciting. It was a mixture of things. So we would have done some Irish stuff, some Irish-American kind of songs. It was it was very Irish. And it had a, as also this really strange naivety. And in older Irish-Americans, there is a strange naivety and kind of innocence, if you like. And we were a bit more cynical. I mean, we're at Dublin, you know, like... There was, there was maybe a little rubbing up of cultures there. We weren't necessarily the Irish Colleens that people maybe expected us to be or or wished us to be or whatever. You were hoping to see Donny Osmond. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly, at least. and I mean, one of my favourite journeys was uh, when we were kind of overtaken by a bunch of bikers. I thought this was welcome, you know, which obviously lends itself to my blues inclinations. <laughs> you know, there was this this great roar and rumble of... 10 or 15 or 20 bikes as they came up and they overtook the bus and tore off down the street also the bus driver was a very large black man american man who was you know shaved head and this was really extraordinary looking and then we stayed i think in a couple of motels and that was a thrill and a half we ate in mcdonald's you know it was extremely exotic and very very different
6: my favorite story has been in this restaurant and very very posh I suppose we would have been 13, 14. And um, I mean, when I say upmarket restaurant, they were modeling dresses for, there was some fashion show event on at the lunchtime, and the dresses were, at the time, I can remember, like $1,000 or whatever. And, um, and obviously, it must have been fantastic food, and all we wanted was well done hamburgers. <laughs>
3: day were very uncaring because it's genetically very unfair, I think, for women to be able to give birth and not have children of their own and yet find themselves surrounded with thousands of children for the most of their working life and yet none of them having real mothering feelings or mothering skills towards children. Curiously enough, Herma was a kind of an old mother hen, wasn't she? She kind of really mothered us all and in in her latter days, she got terribly maternal towards us all, almost like looking at her children growing up and what's Max doing now and what's Adele doing now, what's Siobhan doing now. Like a mother would be inquiring of a, an eldest daughter, do you ever see Mary Person, what happened to her? She got terribly maternal towards us all. Um, and she really did have a nice, I think at the back of it all, we all
5: knew she was a bit of a clucking hen. <laughs> <laughs> she was adorable, bless her. Yeah. She kept in touch. And I had a bad car crash in 1980. 81 and when I came home yeah, when I came home to um, Harold's Cross, uh, the first person Adele that came to the door was uh, was Hermo and she came in and sat down beside me at the opposite of the fire and all full of encouragement and this is only just a turning point in your life and don't be frightened because I had uh, severe stitches in my head and I really didn't know if I would ever work again, yeah.
4: Was that a time when you might have seen her as a woman rather than as a nun? Exactly,
5: that was the difference then. She um, came came and sat opposite me at the, at the fire and all of a sudden all this thing of I, I understood her discipline. I mean she used to scare us to pieces because she'd make sure that we were per, we were perfectly right for the different uh, shows we were doing. But this was the first time I saw her as a woman and I thought that it was terribly important for me to, to talk to her as a human being but also for her for us not to lose contact because that was very important to her that we actually kept in touch and I, for the first time I saw her as a woman who wanted as you say that maternal instinct that had, had come from her children that she had educated rather than given birth
1: to. I also saw Herman there a few years ago, so mm. something she just died recently, just mm, cheery that's year. Right.
4: Well, what did but, you say to her when you saw
1: her? Oh no she gets all teary eyed and sort of nostalgic mm. and that, you know, she mm, delighted yeah. to meet my children and in fact she'd sort of been following the shows that I
2: Did you period of time
6: felt very sort of proud.
1: Yeah. And I think it's very difficult for the nuns because, you know, we we sort of became their their children and their family and then you leave them. Yeah. And there is a sort of in a way a kind of bereavement attached to that, isn't it? It's like when your children sort of leave home.
3: My father was very ill in James's hospital. I had just done a concert, and Sister Harman had been at the concert. And um, on the concert, uh, it was broadcast live on radio. And I said on it, um, I did a, a piece by Barbara Streisand called "Papa, Can You Hear Me" from Yentl. And I said I'd like to dedicate this to my own dear father, who's very ill in James's hospital. Hope you're listening, Dad. And about a week later, I was sitting at home one night, and I just got this really strange feeling. Don't ask me what. About nine o'clock at night, and I leapt out off the couch, and I said, I'm going in to see my father. I said, I just, I don't know, I just want to go up and see my father. And I went up and um, he was... V- v- sort of slipping in and out of consciousness and I poured my I sat beside the bed and I poured my whole life out to him of thanking him for being a wonderful father and always being there for me and you know I went over little instances in my life don't ask me why but I did and as I was saying goodbye to him I turned round and who was standing at the door and wasn't going to interrupt only Hermo I couldn't believe it and she said, well, that was beautiful. And I didn't want to interrupt. And she came over and she just put her hand on his head and said the same. Oh, you're the wonderful father. And all the rehearsals we demanded you bring her to and all the places you waited patiently to pick her up from and put a li- hand on his head, said a little prayer. And they called me the next morning to say my father had died the next morning. And that was actually the last I was to see him. In fact, like the Louis Walsh of her day, she was a talent scout. She had an eye for picking talent and she also had an eye for children who would cut the cheese, as she used to see herself in her Monaghan accent. It'd cut the cheese was, it wasn't good enough to be able to sing and maybe look reasonably well. Attitude was 90% of the business, how right she
1: was. Great experience yeah. and great Very fun. And yeah. I look back on it, we both do, really, really warm, fun memories. Yeah.
4: But you don't... That have... I'd
1: love my daughter to have, actually. Yeah. I'd love her to be part of something like this.
4: And if she said to you, four hours on a Christmas morning, that's child abuse.
1: Probably.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what would you
0: say to her? I guess, but I mean, you know, we knew no different. You know, success is, if, even if it's sport, you, you know, you have to put the time and the effort in if you want to do well. And, uh, you know, I don't feel it does does you that much harm. I mean, if, if my daughter, for example, I would feel sorry for her if she had to go off like that. And I, And I actually think... The, the Christmas morning thing was quite cruel. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the rehearsing and, and the working behind the scenes before the big shows, I think that's good. I think that's worth it. And, and personally, really, I did get an awful lot out of it.
7: Also, the passion and the sense that music is emotional, you know, they would have been part of things that I would have learned through the choir. <laughs>
8: This is to watch.
2: That's
8: actually lovely talking about I know. It,
1: isn't it. I mean,
6: we. I didn't we know do. What to expect. I think
1: it, well it made a difference listening to some of the uh, some of the yeah, songs. Yeah. I'm just sorry
6: you know. I wasn't a bit more familiar with what you yes. were
4: here. And I, I, I I I'm very known.
6: familiar with the trap trap because I've had I've have it at home, you know. You never sing it to me then.
4: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it was the shy mucky Guggy.
1: Do you remember? mucky guggy on the horse in the e Curry callum your mucky Guggy in a lee.